welcome to the Clear to Close podcast with our hosts, local mortgage expert Ryan Bolton and Carson Jones, owner of Team Honey with Red Rock Real Estate. Ryan and Carson have the questions and answers, tips and tricks, do's and don'ts, and expert guests to help explain all the steps needed to buy or sell real estate. And now it's time for the Clear to Close podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Clear to Close podcast, where we... As the intro says, we help you buy real estate. Such a great thing to do. So one of the most important things with buying real estate is negotiating on the home. You found a home. You may be limited down to one or two. You've gone out and drove around with your real estate agent and say, now it's time to put an offer on the home, get to the nitty gritty, start looking at dates, get the calendars out, go through all the stuff. So let's go through some tips on the best way to negotiate on actually buying a house. Yeah. I I mean, of course, the number one tip is going to be have somebody who's done it before help you out, right? Um, the uh, I, I, I tell you, the first thing you got to make sure of is don't let your dad come in and tell you what you need to buy this house for because that's usually what happens, especially with, say, a college-age kid just got out of the house and they're, they're going to buy their first home. It's usually dad telling you, this is what you're going to buy. This is what you need to offer on the house. More often than not, you end up not getting that house because dad wants you to get everything for as cheap as humanly possible, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, with that said, I, I, I would say that really when we talk about the negotiating process and, and tips with that, you have to start actually on the seller side and you have because uh, realistically the first offer is made by the seller. Um, a, a, a lot of people think, okay, well the, the first offer is going to be made by the buyer. We're going to go in and write up, write up an offer. You really begin the process by listing your home and deciding on an actual price. And if, if we pull up that first slide that we have here today, we'll kind of talk about um, really price guidance. And that's that's how we're going to actually be able to figure out what your home is worth. Okay. And then what's the initial asking price that we're going to be saying? And it's essentially, it's the seller's offer. We're offering this home at this price. Yeah. Right? They always have an asking price and that's what yeah. they're starting at. That's the starting point of the negotiation. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and, and making sure that you have a fair asking price is key. Now, if we were to be talking, say, early 2021 through mid-2022, having a fair asking price was not the key. <laughs> it was just having a asking price. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could have a house worth $800,000, and no joke, some people would list that at a million, other people would list that at six hundred. dollars uh, and either way, you're going to be selling well over 800000 So nowadays, it's much more important that you're getting people uh, to list their house at a home at a price that's actually has some potential to sell and has um, has somewhat of a fair market value because your appraisal, if somebody's getting a loan, they're going to have to get an appraisal, right? So having the guidance, A, from a real estate agent and B, not from your Zillow's estimate is very important. And, and I think that's, that's one thing that a a lot of people don't really consider is they don't consider that listing price as literally an offer for the house from that seller. Um, I mean, more often than not, it's kind of the buy it now price, you know, it's the buy it now price. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And so you're trying to negotiate that down. Um, and if there's high demand, sometimes that, that actually goes up a little bit. Um, so, so that's always kind of step one is, is making sure that your seller has a, a price that you can, you can actually, I, I, I actually be productive with and, and, and something that actually has some somewhat of a potential because a lot of people they feel um, they feel bad to write an offer hundred thousand dollars under asking price and so some sometimes they just won't actually write an offer because they think it's too high a price I recommend as, as really an important tip is even if you think the home is overpriced as a buyer still put in your best offer put in an offer and say hey I know 
this is way off and I hope you don't get offended, but here's an offer for the home. So, so that's probably the first step is kind of figuring out what's the actual value for the house between the seller and then, then figuring out what the buyer is willing to pay for it. Yeah. And I see a lot of people that will go into it with a much lower price. And I found a lot of times part of the negotiation is trying to get more for the price and not all of a sudden just really, really dramatically lower it. So I've had clients that'll say, okay, let's use 450 or something, 450. And so what we're going to offer four. It's like, well, obviously that's a lot of a reduction to it. We're not seeing those kind of huge reductions yet. They're, they're really pretty priced pretty correctly. But honestly, the sales price is what somebody else is willing to pay for it. Yeah. Whether it's your Coke on the, you know, whether you're going to the grocery store to get a Coca-Cola or whether you're buying a house, the prices are set by demand, by supply and what people are willing to pay for that item. If there's a scarcity to it, it's going to be worth more. If there's just a ton of them, they're going to be worth less. That's just kind of how economics work, whether it's a house or yeah. not. There's also going to be differences of lot size and square footage and quality construction versus neighbors or other things in that area. That's why real estate's always location, location, location. The home right on the beach is going to be different than in Blackfoot, Idaho. Even if it's the same exact house, it's going to have a different price as well. So that's why it is so important to set that first price as as best you can. Now, obviously, a buyer and a seller have totally different views. The buyer wants it as cheap as possible. The seller wants it as much as possible. So that's where this negotiation starts. But I, I, I think a lot of times people will try to reduce the price so much where I always tell them you're better off to get a little more for the price by rolling in closing costs or warranties or, or things like that. Yeah. Are you seeing an increase in that where, where sellers are more willing to kind of keep the price where they had it, but just offer more with carpet allowances or a seller consent? Are you seeing that start to kick up a little bit? They are. And it's actually something that I don't encourage to my sellers. A lot of times you'll see in the remarks there that the offer is, uh, the seller is offering a, a three or $4,000 concession to the buyer. And I recommend that they really just drop the price that three or $4,000 mm. rather than that offering a concession. Number one is because that is isn't searchable on the MLS. It's not searchable right now to actually search for. I only want homes that are offering concessions. You can get concessions on any home that you want. You just have to write it in the offer. Let's say that your closing costs on your loan are $12,000, right? Uh, as a buyer, and you want to buy this house for five, uh, 500K, right? So no matter what, you want to be at $500,000, but you don't want to spend, uh, you don't want to spend any more than that 500K um, actually in terms of the actual net number on, on, on what, on what you're selling the house for. So as, as a seller, I'm looking, okay, so these guys, they want 500 K and they got $12,000 in closing costs. If they come to you and offer you $500,000, uh, minus that 12,000, you really are only getting 488. Okay. So the way I look at that is I'm saying, well, we only, we're only going to take 500 net. So we want you to offer five twelve, and then we'll give you that that twelve thousand dollars in closing costs. So, so I would make sure to, I mean, offer that in, into any offer. Just know you might have to increase the price a little bit to offset for that. But you, a lot of people, you'd much rather have that extra twelve thousand dollars worked into your loan over time rather than just having to have the cash up front right away. No, I agree. And a lot of people don't realize you have your down payment, then you're going to have to cover the closing costs. Now, if closing costs aren't just all loan origination or processing fees. You're going to have title. You're going to have home inspection. You're going to have other fees that kind of add up to it. So they're not all just fees. You know, yeah. they're, they're stuff just required to get the house. You've got the property taxes. You've got your homeowner's insurance. A lot of times you have to bring that first year's premium to closing. Is that really a closing cost or just part of buying the house? So it is something where you got to know those things are on top. Yeah. And a lot of times it can be, it can add up pretty quickly, just all those little things and, and adding it to the price, whether you can negotiate it as part of the price or have to add it, you're better off. 
than having to bring more money to the table or finance it some other way or pull out more money out of the 401k. Now, if you're rolling equity from another house, you might have a little more room to cover that, but you got to realize your down payment and closing costs are two separate things. Yeah. They're not, you know, and even a hundred percent financing typically is a hundred percent on the purchase price, not the other things included as well. There's very few programs that do truly a hundred percent cover closing costs and the right. down payment. So you're still going to have to have some of that money to work with, but building into price is by far the cheapest way to do it. Yeah. Having to build it into a second mortgage or having to build it into a bigger 401k loan or something like that always has a bigger payment than just slightly adding it to the price. Yeah. Even if you have to do go above, like you said, go to 510, go to 515. Not only that, you might get a better offer. You know, The seller kind of has a number in their head as well. They feel like they're netting that or getting that number. A lot of times they don't care if the price goes up to offset that as long as the appraisal comes in. You know, it's if you true. have something where it's not even worth five and they're, they're selling it at five because they have amenities or something yeah. or location or something, then adding it to the price is where you may have to go back and renegotiate after the appraisal comes yeah. in. Well, and some people, uh, especially even during during COVID, they were actually just saying, I'll pay whatever it appraises for. Right. right? And uh, that, that can be a dangerous game because, unfortunately, appraisers are not all the same. And it could really it's depend still an opinion on opinion of value. Yeah, yeah it, it can still depend on which appraiser you get. I've seen appraisers where we we have to end up getting uh, multiple appraisals on a house because we think one is just way off. We say we're just going to get another opinion on it. And I've seen thirty five thousand dollar differences between two different appraisers all within the same month on the exact same house. So that's one thing you do need to watch out for is that if you want to just say I'm just going to pay whatever it's going to appraise for, that could that could just be very broad. You could be paying way over. I mean, if you say we'll pay the appraisal price and you put that into your into your offer, that could be well over the the asking price. You could be paying more than you really uh, you really want to. So negotiating before the appraisal, especially and and before just saying, oh, I'll just pay whatever it appraises for, you you have actually a lot more power then. So yep. um, now, if we go to the second slide, the next the, the next one we're going to be talking about is is negotiating after the inspection. Hmm. And I would say this is kind of. Uh, the third big step in your negotiating. First, you've got the sellers making their initial offer for the, for the the asking price of the home. Next, you've got the buyers actually making an offer, and now you have negotiating after the inspection, right? Yeah, so so you're, this is after the contract's already yep. signed, you get new information, so you want to go back and reopen negotiation. Right. right. Okay? Now, some people that five hundred thousand dollar house, they might look at this five hundred thousand dollar house and say, "Hey, we know that there's." there's going to be a good $15,000, $20,000 in repairs. You could just tell that the house is mm -hmm. a little bit rough shape. So people might just offer a little bit higher on the house just to get it under contract with the thought in the back of their mind of thinking, well, I'm just going to ask for a whole bunch of money off after this inspection. Doesn't always work out in your favor, though, because sometimes you get through that inspection and you realize that, yeah, it's in a little bit rough shape, but it's not something that you have twenty, thirty thousand dollars in repairs. It's a lot of it is just kind of cosmetics type stuff, depending on the house. So, uh, so yes, negotiating after the inspection is extremely common, right? And like we've talked about in other episodes, I, I always would recommend that you negotiate the price instead of negotiating for the seller to make those repairs for you. Uh, with that said, you're usually still going to be pretty close. It's, it's rare that you're going to see somebody come in and say, now we want to drop the price by by 10% or something like that because of this inspection, right? If it's going to be that much, people are usually just going to be backing out of the house altogether. Um, but it's another great time to, to change around the price. And you can bring that into play when you make your initial offer to get that contract. And then you have that due diligence deadline uh, set up so that you can do your inspection and decide, hey, now we want to drop the price X amount in order to make up for some of these repairs that are needed. 
Yeah, I, I think that's something most people don't realize is you can get the price kind of up where everybody's at least comfortable and you do have some opportunities to renegotiate the price. Are you seeing anything else that strengthens with as you're negotiating with the deadlines that are on the contract? Are you seeing something where that can make your offer stand out a little bit more as you're negotiating Absolutely. to be able to set deadlines that are a little bit more of a tighter window or a shorter time to close? Because you got to realize if it's a, a hot property or something you really want, you want to have a balance between, well, I don't want to lose it because we negotiated too much, but at the same time, I don't want to just give away the farm. But I think sometimes that's one of the little tip you can do is just look at a calendar, kind of shorten your time frames so your offer stands out a little more, even if it's a little bit cheaper. Well, and yeah, that's a great point. And actually, this is one of the things that I feel that my buyers always have an advantage of when they work with me is because what I like to do is I, I want to be as as communicative as possible. I don't even think that's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> I want to communicate with the uh, um, with the, with the other agent as much as possible and and get to know exactly what their situation is because that can play a big factor into it. Sometimes the person who's selling the house, maybe they don't have a house to move into yet. Hmm. And so sometimes all it takes is saying, hey, here's our offer. And with this offer, we're going to let you lease back the house for maybe free, maybe just a small amount of money for, say, two to three months, right? You do that, that could actually be enough that even though it, your your offer may be a little bit lower than another offer, just the fact that you're willing to let them still live in the house for, for a couple months afterwards might be enough to win you the deal. So sometimes it's not always the money that's, that's going to help you get this deal, and it might be just making sure some of the needs are met of the other party. And I think that's one thing that some of the top negotiators in the world, non-real estate related, do very well, is they make sure that some of the little small things that the other party wants are taken care of, and those are a lot of the times the thing that's going to help make the decision is these little small things that don't really matter too much are, are, are important to some people. And so I look at lease back agreements like that. I look at stuff like a refrigerator. Sometimes people are just in love with their refrigerator and say, Hey, no, it's fine. You keep it. I, we don't, we don't need your refrigerator. And there's sellers who will say, Hey, we like this offer better just because they're willing to let us keep our, mm. our refrigerator from 1945 that we love, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, and I, mean, I think it's where the contract, how you, how you propose that contract kind of put the dates on it. You really want to review those yeah. and put together the strongest offer that you can, that can stand out from other things. Um, do you see that earnest money plays into it? I know a lot of people will say, okay, $1,000 earnest money, how much earnest money should I do? And I often tell them, well, whatever you can, you know, whatever yeah, can make your yeah. offer stand out because it does look like it's stronger to say a thousand bucks and another offers 5,000. Well, that person may be a little easier, maybe have a easier time closing on the loan, whether it's cash or financed or whatever. Do you, do you see that as a negotiating tool as well to kind of increase earnest money or is um, that more it depends on the seller, I guess, but yes and no. Yes. Especially during COVID, uh, okay. when, when the market was just booming there for a little while. Yes. Um, it was, it was important that you had good earnest money in there to show your, to show your, your interest actually in the home. However, I think Unfortunately, earnest money is something that's probably uh, not discussed enough, and I, I can't tell you how often buyers and sellers that we talk to, they have no clue what earnest money even is, right? <laughs> okay. And so I think it's something that we need to teach people. Maybe we'll do an, uh, an earnest money episode at some point, kind of teaching people exactly what what this is and what this means. But the earnest money is important because it's, it's showing really how... It, what your intentions are with the home. If you really want to buy it, you're probably going to have a little bit extra earnest money in there. And remember, your earnest money is refundable to you up until either your due diligence or your financing and appraisal deadline. So right. you have lots of time. Now, a lot of the times, if you put a higher amount down, you could put $20,000 down and you're still going to get it back if you decide, hey, this house just isn't for us, right? Uh, really, the only times that the seller is going to receive that is at the end when uh, if you just back out last minute. 
Another thing to think about with that earnest money, though, that really nobody knows about is if the seller decides to back out, they're actually going to pretty much have to owe you the same amount of the earnest money if they were to back out. And very, very few people know that. Even a lot of real estate agents don't realize this. And so a lot of people say, oh, well, I just decided now I don't want to sell my house even though I'm under contract. What What's going to happen to me, right? And one of the main things is that if that earnest money that you agreed on, that's also to the seller, right? Mm-hmm. So if the seller decides, hey, I'm backing out, that seller, A, you're going to give the earnest money back to the buyer. But let's say it was $20,000, that's also incentives for the seller not to not to decide to back out because that seller is now going to be more than likely going to have to come up with $20,000 to give to the buyer. Mm-hmm. People don't really think about that too often, and it's definitely something that you got to consider. There's more times uh, than not that really that doesn't uh, a buyer might say oh that's fine like well, let's just move on right. we're good but just know legally in that in that uh, real estate purchase contract it's what it says i mean that that counts for both the buyer and seller defaults on there so yeah there, there's way more protections for the buyer the buyer yeah. can get out almost any time as long as the deadlines even after deadlines you see sometimes like okay it's not worth the fight it's not worth that give them their thousand bucks back or whatever when it's more then obviously there's an incentive there to maybe fight for a little bit more yeah amazed how many people think it's just gone it's just lost it's just not whatever when it really is a credit that you get towards that price at the end whether it's it's towards down down payment payment, or closing costs it just becomes a kind of a credit at the end of the total amount you have to bring into closing right and you can get it back as long as you don't pass deadlines with it and this is part of negotiating on the house as well is being ready for those financing options, being ready for this, whether it is increase your, your earnest money deposit and really getting pre-approved is such a crucial part. Every agent will talk about, we'll talk about as lenders that know you have your loan in place, knowing that it's ready to go. You'll, you can close those gaps between those deadlines so much more if your loan's already in place. For sure. If you're out shopping for a house and you haven't done a pre-approval, done your pay stubs, W2s, gotten kind of pre-approved, then you can't set the deadlines very short, which makes your offer not stand out as much. Yeah. So the stronger you can make your offer, these little things will give you a better chance to get a better price or close quicker, get in the home faster. All those things. I, I see way too many people that we've talked about before that their lease is up at the end of the month. So they start looking for a loan with you know the same month that they yeah. need to. And they start looking at houses yeah. before they actually start working on what loan they're going to need. And I find that that hurts you in the negotiation table because you don't have your pre-approval letter ready. I mean, how many times have you been an agent and the, the buyer's like, well, I've talked to a lender, but I, I don't have a pre-approval letter yet. Then why are you even looking at this house? We're not yeah. going to take your offer versus somebody that's already got their ducks in a row, already has their pre-approval, can close in three weeks instead of 45 days. Right. I mean, getting that that step can be such a big part in negotiating on the home that people don't realize is getting that part locked down. So when the home does show up on the market, you can, bam, I can close in three weeks. Yeah. Where everybody else is putting 30 days or 45 days or 60 days out. Unless, obviously, if you're a seller that needs the time, maybe that doesn't matter as much. But most of the time when people put their home on the market... They want to get out. They're, they're ready to go. They yeah, want to move. There's a move. reason that they're yeah. doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially once they list it with a realtor. I mean, sometimes you get a for sale by owner and they're not quite as urgent to, to get it sold. With that said, I mean, uh, an, uh, another big tip to this negotiation is, is who you're who you're working with and who you're hiring. And actually, um, when we talk about time frame, the lender is is a big part of that. Of course, if you're if you're writing a cash offer, a lot of times on a cash offer you can close in maybe two weeks or less, which which could be uh, that that's one of the bigger incentives to a seller is when you when you're offering cash, which of course if you have cash and if you have nowhere else that you want to invest that, sure, buy a house with cash course, you and I are always going to recommend, I mean, use that cash, buy a few houses and just leverage right. that money. Right. With that said, 
I think a lot of people feel that a loan is always going to take 45 some days and, and it doesn't have to. And with that said, that's why you hire the right lender, right? right. Um, team honey, uh, the team that I, that I own work with, uh, we try to work with lenders like Ryan, who we know, okay, you're the, the day that we send you that contract is the day that you begin working. And actually, especially if we, we have a listing, you start working, uh, when we actually first list the house to get us the PRs, all that type of stuff. Um, and same thing with the title company. With that said, if you hire the right people to help you buy or sell a house, they're going to be getting the things done quicker. And now all of a sudden you might be able to tell the, tell the seller, say, hey, you've got two offers. You've got an offer from these guys and their lender is going to need 35, 40 days to close. But my lender is only going to need three weeks. Right. And, and really a lot of that comes down to, okay, lender, he ordered the appraisal right away. Right. So now the appraisal's in, uh, all that's done. Your inspection's done. We're pretty much good to go. There's times that I've worked with you that all of a sudden three, three and a half, even sometimes sooner than that, you're like, Hey, we're good to go. We're ready. Let's do this. And so you can, it's always nice to be able to put in that offer, say, this is our settlement deadline, but we feel like we're going to be able to close sooner, you know? Right. And, uh, unfortunately there's a lot of lenders out there who, who can't, and they need that extra, extra time, which it hurts your offer. It really does. It, it's part of that negotiation part of it to know that that's done. I, I can't tell you how many times people are in front of a house that need a pre-approval letter. Yeah. You know, now sometimes we want to make sure the pre-approval letter matches what they're offering. So let's say they're pre-approved for 500, but they're only offering 450 because they've just found a house that's cheaper or whatever. We don't want the pre-approval letter to say 500. We want to match what they're offering. Yeah. But I'm amazed how many times that they haven't even done an application with me yet. Then they're trying to get a pre-approval letter. It's right. like, why would you? Why would you want to be that rushed through the uh, stressful situation anyway? And why would you want to take the only loan we can get you because you only have a, a, a small window to work with? Yeah. So it's so important as you're going to start looking at buying a house, get that part out of the way yeah. because it can strengthen your offer. You can have a pre-approval letter ready you know, that day knowing that you what your payment's going to be. I, I've done like the pre-approvals. Then all of a sudden we start working through the loan. The client's like, ooh, I don't want that payment. It's too high. It's like, well, we should have known that before you put your offer in. <laughs> you know, For it's sure. a little late For now sure. when you're under contract. Now, now you can still back out, of course, get your earnest money. But having that as part of your negotiation power and leveraging what's available as far as financing, whether it is a lesser down payment or or that type of thing, or buying two properties or, or working something out because you do have some money to work with, it can help in so many ways to make sure you're getting the best price on the home and closing as quickly as you can. I mean, one of the goals I always have is close early is always make sure that when I even set up the file, I'll put the settlement deadline earlier. Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure we got all of our other stuff out of the way. Because a lot of it we can control. Me and the client, we can control getting pay stubs, getting W-2s. But when it comes to getting the appraisal, we're kind of at the mercy of somebody else's schedule on how soon they can get out to the property or if there's an issue with getting into the property because there's a renter that's currently in there or the homeowner's in there and you know whatever it might be, there's things that you have to kind of be reliant on other people's time frames. So the more you can keep it within your control, the controllables, the more likely you'll meet or exceed deadlines. Yeah, yeah. And that's just a great negotiating tool. Like, like you said, if you're a seller and you got a contract that's cash, you know, and another one that sends and the dates are different. You're gonna, there's going to be ways to strengthen your file that's not all just based on price. There are obviously there are. price is a huge part. You know, if you're if you're negotiating way way less price, even if you yeah. can close tomorrow, people might say, "No, nah, I, I, you know, one, I don't need to close that quick, and I don't need to yeah. give up that much of the price." But part of negotiation on anything 
is being able to put the strongest offer you can to yeah. also get the seller to at least respond back yeah. and negotiate the differences that you both have. And, and communicate it with the seller. Communicate to the seller. I mean, it, it's... Now, w- one thing that's definitely discouraged is the, their so-called love letters. So uh, <laughs> yeah. we actually got that a lot during that big COVID yeah. boom is, is you'd list a house and all of a sudden you got to your 10 offers and five of those offers were from a family and they said, oh, our mother-in-law just passed away and yeah. we just adopted this child from Rwanda and feel bad for us, right? Right. Now those are very much discouraged. In fact, a lot of uh, listings were saying, we don't want letters, we won't even read them, we won't right. present them to our, right. to our sellers. So that's a tactic that can be used. I, I don't recommend doing it. I recommend look what the seller needs, okay? Ask ask the agent. I mean, say, hey, what's their situation? Are they moving somewhere? Are they already out of the house? Um, do they have, uh, I mean, six months worth of moving that they're going to have to do here? Mm. What do they need? Figure out what they need. Use that into your offer. And that's going to play. It's almost playing, in a, in a way, it's a mind game of just saying, hey, we're helping you. We're giving you this price for the house, but we're also helping your other situation to get you into your new home. And uh, and, and we're going to we're gonna be flexible with you on that. And so maybe you are renting a house and and you could say, hey, that's fine. We'll keep our rental for an extra month. Maybe if you just let us move some of our stuff into the garage, we're going to let you stay in the house for a little extra time. And I know we're about out of time here. And one thing I think we we, we missed on, we got I got off subject there, was earnest money and just how much we would recommend. My recommendation to my buyers is try to do 1%. Hmm. Uh, sometimes you're going to see somebody just say 1000 bucks, $10,000. My recommendation is 1% of the purchase price is a hmm. good amount. I think I've seen that a lot of times and realize it is something that goes towards your credits. So yep. it is something you don't just walk away from unless you get past settlement deadline and you haven't closed. That's, That's right. That's the biggest thing. So thanks so much for watching and uh, let us know if you have any questions about how to negotiate your next home sale. Yep. Yep. Get the best price you can. <laughs> this has been the clear to close podcast with Ryan Bolton and Carson Jones. Please submit your comments, questions, and topics for future episodes to cleartoclosepod at gmail.com. That's clear the number two, closepod at gmail.com. Or findmyhomeutah.com or ryanbolton.com. Please like, follow, and share. And until next time, this is the Clear to Close Podcast. Views expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Patriot Home Mortgage or Team Honey with Red Rock Real Estate. License number NMLS 299717. This has been a production from a podcast studio.